Hi there, and thanks for listening. If you're enjoying our podcast and have a recommendation about someone you think we should have on to share their voice and journey with the world, by all means, let us know. It could be an aid worker, monastic, author, journalist, scholar, resistance leader, really anyone with some tie or another to the ongoing situation in Myanmar. To offer up a name, go to our website, insightmyanmar.org, and let us know. But for now, just sit back and take a listen to today's episode. It takes one rebel to start a revolution, but it would take an army of revolutionaries to end one. There is no I in team, no I in freedom either. None of us is free until all of us are free. discussing uh, labor issues and in particular the interaction between international stakeholders and domestic factories and industries in Myanmar. I'm going to ask my guest today to introduce himself so that we have a better understanding of what he represents and the information that he can bring to bear. So uh, please, if you can introduce yourself for our guests or for our listeners. Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Mao Mao. And I am at the moment the president of the Confederation of Trade Unions, Myanmar. Uh, we established the Trade Unions Confederation in 2015. According to the Myanmar Labor Organization Law, which was drawn up by the uh, government and the ILO. So I would say we are the largest uh, registered confederation and I have been involved in the trade union issues, workers' rights issues since 1988. So I've been a long time working on these issues. Okay, thank you. So we've uh, discussed uh, labor unions on this podcast before, and I want to um, hear your opinion on how, how much control do the military and their families and their cronies have over the industries in Myanmar, whether it's textiles or whether it's uh, minerals or whether it's oil, just in general, major industries? I would say 95% uh, is controlled by the military because almost everything that is exported, imported, and almost everything that is produced in the country is owned directly by the military or by its conglomerates by and by its families. And everybody that does any kind of business has to have a godfather. So I would say 95% is control, and the rest 
5% is low-level agriculture products that they don't want to get mess, mess with. So, in effect, you're saying that there is that there is no real way for someone to invest in any industry of size in Myanmar without doing business with the military or military families. Well, for instance, when you're flying in, let's say you better ask whether this the agent that you brought the ticket or arranged with the hotels had to do anything with the military or with the former drug lords. And I think you start to really understand how life is in Myanmar. And then when you start walking around uh, to look at the things, almost everything looks normal. But if you look further down under the surface, you will see that everything has to be brought and sold through the uh, Myanmar Economic Corporation or Myanmar uh, holding. So I would say these are the things that can be found only after you look under the first layer of the business facade in Burma. And so that brings us to the coup. Following uh, the coup of 2021, we saw a lot of Western industries, whether it's Americans, whether it's uh, European Union, pulling out their investments, um, stopping the placement of fresh orders uh, to, to companies and industries in Myanmar. Uh, some of them acted very quickly. Some of them, like uh, Chevron and Total, took a very long time to, to implement a, an exit strategy. But we saw many companies leaving Myanmar over concerns of the coup. Would you say, actually, what would you say the effect of this has been on workers in Myanmar and what has the effect been on the military? Let's say that people pull out investments because they cannot work properly. It's not because they love the people of Burma or they hate the military. The only reason that they pull out is they can't make money, uh, they don't make profit, and they can't work properly, so that's why they move out. So I would say this is what uh, business thinks about, and this is what took place in Burma. At the same time, it has hurt the people. I, I can't say it doesn't hurt. It hurts the people uh, financially as well as on, let's say, the ethical issues. Because once a coup take took place, there is no freedom of association. There is no freedom of expression. And you can't do any politics. We were on the streets for a long time. But then the military cracked down. That's normal. And uh, after that, you don't. You don't. Can't. Uh, you don't. You are not able to move around on the streets or voice any open letters to the militaries or so forth and things like that. So the first of all, there is this uh, what you call the closing down of the mil uh, uh, business community, and it has gradually increased. And uh, let's say within the last week, you the business people have also found that. There is no way they can survive because the military issued another order from the banking community that uh, they will have to have to exchange all the remaining foreign uh, reserves that are in the joint venture companies into the local charts. Then uh, the, and the and the funny thing is the central bank has ordered 
all the residents staying in Burma, whether they're Burmese or whether they're expatriates or whether they are resettled, that they have to reschedule their debt and their loans giving back and the interest giving back to the international creditors. So the government itself has ordered all the business community to, uh, let's say, default on their own. So this is a kind of environment that we are in. And this is what people are who haven't left up to last week are finding out now. Uh, but let me tell you something. I have to give credit to TOTA for pulling up. For people, young people who are involved in the movement just now, it may seem that uh, one year and six months has been a long time that TOTA should have pulled out. But the last revolution where I was involved, after 14 years, we were not able to launch total out of Burma. So I would say it has been very fast. Uh, it's very good. And it shows a military that you can fool the people in Burma, but you can't fool the international community. That would be my uh, to your answer to your question. Excellent. So on the whole, you you would say that foreign foreign industries are not motivated by ethical concerns. They're not genuinely worried about the people of Burma. It's just that the military coup has made the country economically unstable and industrially unreliable. Is that what you're saying? That is correct. Uh, people will argue that we're looking after those 300,000 people walking in the private garment sector. Okay. Give me a break. Uh, we have 400,000 people who were dismissed because they joined the civil disobedient movement. Okay? And these are people with at least 15 years of service with their families, and they lost their pensions. Because we are in a fight for system change. Okay, there is talk about humanitarian assistance. We are a rich country. Okay, we, have, we were the world's, uh, let's say, largest exporter of rice before the military started in 1962, we were the largest exporter of teak in the world. We had the earlier train system in the country than the, let's say, Thailand. Uh, we were the regional hub for planes when uh, we were young. So we were a rich country, and it is the military that has ruined uh, uh, everything. So I would say that if you are saying well, international business can help me, help us. Come on, give me a break. We were, we were, we were that early, and it is a regime, military coups that has disrupted our economy. It's not that we don't understand the international standards. We do, but at the same time, we have to change the system that we will not allow any kind of regime to whether it's a military regime or whether it's a political uh, so-called political party regime to flourish and or let's say uh, rule the country so we are saying that unless we can change the system we would rather have the international community especially the international investment and development community stay away from the country and so there's, there's an important question that is being asked by many sectors, and that is, is the boycott of 
uh, Burmese industries and therefore the boycott of the military in some way hurting uh, average, everyday Burmese people who, who just want to feed their families. Is there truth to this argument? Of course, it is true. Because we are trying to stuff out the regime, we cannot say it's hurting people. It is hurting the people, but it is hurting the regime more. Look at the way they are responding to the use of dollars or controlling of dollars. Look at the way they are running to the Russian regime uh, to get involved in the Russian, uh, let's say, currency-based international functions. These are the things that without firing a gunshot is forcing the regime to try to, let's say, survive. And we need to do it further. But the bad thing is that, yes, there are sanctions announced, but there are not enough enforcement mechanisms kicking into place. Because if you if you try to look at the let's say the shipping industry, uh, for example, there are four today. There are four tankers coming into Yangon port, delivering fuel. Okay, for whom? It's for the military. Okay, you can argue it's for people. Okay, but then the the the, mili- the, the all the fuel is sold by the guys who are under sanctions, by the two service or by Miawadi trading, or by mm. MEC, and all these are not followed up, or there are no enforcement sanctions. So I would say there is boycotts that is announced, or some call it targeted sanctions, which looks very flashy and sexy and attractive. But give me a break. If you are not following up, if you are not monitoring all these things, nothing is going to change. So. Just targeted sanctions with no enforcement is hurting the people. We want to have quick action. Okay, there are sanctions announced. Then we enforce. We cut off the dollars. We cut off all the revenue. We can live, the people can live uh, just on the streets. We can go and look for fish on, uh, in the water. Okay, we can just get vegetables. The military cannot. They have to have escorts. They have to have permissions to move around. And that's how we will kill the regime because we need to change the system. Understood. And so the the concern is that there is this phenomenon of fatigue, uh, compassion fatigue, and political will, economic will, uh, these will conflict. And the crisis in Myanmar has been going on for a year and a half. And there are many companies who are getting tired of waiting and they want to come back into the Myanmar market. They want to continue benefiting from the, uh, from, from the cheap labor and from the high profit margins. Have you experienced a, a return of foreign companies and foreign investment into Burmese industries recently? We haven't seen big ones. We have, Seeing the announcements of the Directorate of Investment uh, by the military regime. So we don't really know whether they are just uh, things that are signed on paper and no investment has moved. But what I'm saying is a look to, to those, con- uh, let's say, companies who say they are tired. The revolution has been going on since about 60 years. I was involved in the, uh, let's say, first public movement in 88, but we were not successful. Uh, we went in halfway through, 
And for this time around, like I said, it's been only one year and six months. For big companies, uh, for example, like the big, uh, what you call this, food uh, companies, we understand that they have, when they do investment, when they do their investment, they think in terms of investing about a decade until they get the return. So I would say uh, those who advocate for this company saying they are tied, I think I would say go away. Okay, this doesn't make sense in the political sense and investment sense. Whilst big companies, multinationals really look for long time, long term investments and both in human resources, technology and financial returns, I would say uh, they think more than two years. So it's less than two years. Give me a break. Don't come and give us those excuses that uh, it's too long. We've been too long in the revolution. Now we can't afford another uh, breakdown. We have to win this time, and we are we are asking you just to stay away. Excellent. And so this brings me to the video. Some of our audience may already have seen it, but for the others, we will uh, probably link the video below. Uh, there was a video that was recently posted on Facebook by an actual European Union Facebook page showing the harrowing story of a textile worker who had lost her job and 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 the terrible consequences of losing her job as a result of losing investment. And this European Union Facebook page was arguing that what is needed in Myanmar is more international investment in order to prevent uh, the Burmese people from from suffering in this way. Um, ha have you seen this video yourself? Well, well, I saw this um, the same trend uh, maybe two years ago when the COVID nineteen started. It was reported about I think two thousand twenty when they was talking about the COVID impact. The first the first impact and uh, between the first and the second, how many people lost their jobs, especially in the private government sector and that these women, this, uh, these young ladies become prostitutes. So we are very unhappy with that. And uh, we, we condemn the EU for putting it up because this is, uh, first of all, insulting the, the woman from Myanmar, especially. And because let's say, what is the percentage of these women getting into the sex trade? Just don't go and pick up somebody and do that, okay? You need to have a proper survey when you present uh, this kind of information. And remember, you are representing the U European Union, not just one country. It's 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 a European. It's it's a combination of twenty-seven countries. And if you are that stupid enough to do this on your own thing and talking about investment with this kind of government, it means that this person who decided on posting the thing doesn't know anything about Burma. Look at what the regime has announced after this posting and the call that investment should come in. Does he or she believe that investment will come into the, this country where the central bank tells you not to give back your money to your creditors or that all your investment needs to be changed into Burmese currency that nobody wants? or to a country that is trying to run, to run to the Russian system, that person and that office doesn't know the actual situation of Burma, the social culture of Burma, 
and is very insulting. Thank you. So, so to clarify, do you believe that the regime would have seen that video? Do you believe that they're going to use that post as part of their propaganda? Well, they are already using it, and they are, uh, in some cases, it hasn't come out uh, because everybody is condemning it. But I would say that it is being used by the social media that is, uh, let's say, sponsored uh, by the, the junta. And so this this leads on to a, to a more complicated but a very important uh, question. The European Union itself, now, as you say, this is, you know, 27 countries, and it's not just a collection of governments. It's also a very large collection of companies. And there are a lot of different pressures. Um, so do you feel that there is conflict within the European Union, that different sides of the European Union think different things should happen in Burma? Or do you think that this video and this post represents a desire on the part of the entire European Union to reinvest in Burma? No, I do not think so. Uh, I, why is that? Because the European, uh, uh, let's say, Parliament has passed resolutions that talk of the issues in Burma, that talks of the complications, that talks about uh, possible ways to, to, to put pressure onto the regime uh, so that uh, the, the changes can come to the country. So I would say this was just posted. I would say uh, in the European Parliament resolution of March 10th this year, uh, it's a long resolution and uh, it calls about uh, to take action on the issues, uh, let's say condemn the use of violence by the junta and let's say, I, I will read it to you, strongly condemns the supply of arms and military equipment to the Tamado by China, Russia, and Serbia. So all these things are there. It's not just, it's not the whole European Union. And I would say, I would say this, this thing was uh, very bad. It's a very bad image for the European Union because all the MPs that gathered uh, to get this, uh, this resolution passed, I think it's not just one uh, European uh, member of parliament doing that. It's a wide range of uh, MEP is doing that from uh, from the Nordics to to Eastern to the uh, to the other parts of Europe. So I would say um, it is not the whole European. I would say on the point twenty one, it stresses that local and multinational businesses operating operating in Myanmar must respect human rights and stop enabling perpetrators of abuses. Strongly urges EU based business in that sense to ensure that they have no ties with Myanmar security forces, their individual members or entities owned or controlled by them, and that they are not contributing directly or indirectly to the military's crackdown on democracy and human rights. So I would say this is something that is solid that is within the European Union. And what the office in Yangon posted, I don't know. They seem to be even not listening or not reading what was written in the European uh, Parliamentary Resolution. Interesting. And so the counterpoint then becomes, or rather the follow-up question becomes, in your opinion, what is the the best way forward? What is it that European and generally international uh, companies should be doing to best help the people of Myanmar? Well, I would say we have to look at the revolution itself. Uh, there are now many 
I would say many uh, comments, articles, interviews coming up talking that it seems that the Myanmar military is not able to, let's say, put down the uh, armed struggle within the country, which was different from the previous movement where the regime killed off everybody and uh, they, they had a good time after one year. So they are not able to put down the strikes and demonstrations in Yango and in Mandalay. They are not able to, let's say, stop the social media walking from within the country. I'm not talking from within Burma's bound boundaries. Uh, they are not able to, let's say, finish uh, off the the ethnic revolution organizations. So I would say we are in a very uh, good situation compared to the last revolution movements. Then also within the United Nations system, in the General Assembly, we have our ambassador. That ambassador used to <coughs> walk with the regime, but he left and now he represents Burma at the meetings in the UNGA and he, vo he has voted on behalf of Burma. Then let's say within the ASEAN itself, there have been quite a lot of uh, issues over the past, let's say 20 years. But it is very interesting now that many countries in the ASEAN, Malaysia has been very outspoken. Indonesia has been very outspoken for change. Singapore has got a very hard line. So I would say, and then Philippines has been very hard. So I would say compared to the past, movements where we were having a hard time trying to meet with those government officials, the Malaysian foreign minister met with one of our representatives and put it on his own Facebook. So I would say if you put all these things together, the regime unable to stop everything in Burma, uh, then on the military movement within the country, on the social media within the country, uh, at the United Nations, within the ASEAN Assembly, and also, let's say, on the EU member countries, and if we look at the resolutions, it's a big difference. I would say that whatever has taken place, it's, it's moving forward, and the regime is, I would say, trying to go to the Russian group to survive. So I would say all these things are in a very different situation from what was in the last movement. So I would say we are in a very good uh, situation. Brilliant. And so, uh, Umama, I want to thank you very much for your time. And this has been very edifying. Before we leave, uh, I just want to give you the opportunity, if there is anything that you want our audience to know or to better understand about what is going on in Myanmar in order to help fight misinformation, uh, I, I would like to invite you to just um, share whatever thoughts you may have for them. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity and also the listeners who are listening. I do hope that I was able to give a good picture uh, within a very short period. Uh, I look forward to answering your questions if they are questions or even if they are discussions on the pros and cons of, uh, let's say, asking Western business to go out. Uh, we are we 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 are representing the workers, and I have been working in this movement since 1988. It's been some time, but uh, I would say just like I explained, 
we are winning and we want people to uh, not just think like, well, the military is going to win again. No, it is not. And we have made the points like I explained. So if there are any more questions, anytime, let us know. Thank you very much. For joining us for today's episode. Being a small, mostly volunteer team, our production time for a single episode before the coup was sometimes as long as four months from start to finish. While we had worked at decreasing the lead time, the fastest we were ever able to manage was just around three weeks. Yet during this current crisis, where even a single day's event can produce such shocking news and urgent needs, we simply don't have this luxury of time. So we've worked around the clock to substantially shorten the length of our production cycle. The turnaround for some episodes now has been just 36 hours. However, we can't accomplish this goal without your support. If you found value in today's episode and think that others may also benefit from this type of content, please consider making a donation so that we can continue our mission. If you would like to join in our mission to support those in Myanmar who are being impacted by the military coup, we welcome your contribution in any form, currency, or transfer method. Your donation will go to support a wide range of humanitarian missions, aiding those local communities who need it most. Donations are directed to such causes as the Civil Disobedience Movement, CDM, Families of Deceased Victims, Internally Displaced Person, IDP Camps, Food for Impoverished Communities, Military Defection Campaigns, Undercover Journalists, Monasteries and Nunneries, Education Initiatives, the Purchasing of Protective Equipment and Medical Supplies, COVID Relief, and much more. We also make sure that our donation fund supports a diverse range of religious and ethnic groups across the country. We invite you to visit our website to learn more about past projects as well as upcoming needs. You can give a general donation or earmark your contribution for a specific activity or project you would like to support, perhaps even something you heard about in this very episode. All of this humanitarian aid work is carried out by our nonprofit mission, Better Burma. Any donation you give on our Insight Myanmar website is directed towards this fund. Alternatively, you can also visit the Better Burma website, betterburma.org. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-B-U-R-M-A.org and donate directly there. In either case, your donation goes to the same cause and both websites accept credit cards. You can also give via PayPal by going to paypal.me slash betterburma. Additionally, we take donations through Patreon, Venmo, GoFundMe, and Cash App. Simply search Better Burma on each platform and you'll find our account. You can also visit either the Insight Myanmar or Better Burma websites for specific links to those respective accounts or email us at info at betterburma.org. If you'd like to give in another way, please contact us. Thank you so much for your kind consideration and support.